Welcome to the Embrace Your Inner Weirdo podcast, where paradigms shift, impossible becomes I'm possible, and weirdos are exposed for who they really are, pure geniuses. With your host, who walked from Chicago to L.A. just because he could, the one and only Mr. Weirdo, a.k.a. Rashid Huda. And so there are two things with that. You know, the newsletter is both a place for me to share the things that I think about racism and anti-racism and diversity, equity, inclusion work, but it's also a way for me to give a platform for other to other people in that space, especially Black women who are the ones who find it hardest to get seen and heard, right? And so I have, I've included a series where I profile other activists. I started a new series this year where I profile Black people who have founded stuff. And I also, because further to our point about reading and learning, I also share some of the articles that have resonated with me in the past month. So, I've, you know, I do that once a month. Well, hello, uh, Sharon. Good afternoon. I, I assume it's afternoon for you. It's still morning for me. Just about afternoon. Just tipped over into afternoon where I am. Okay. It's good to see you. Good to see um, you, too. I have known you online for a number of years because I had seen you um, commenting on Mitch Mitchell's blog oh. often. And so I knew who you were before we made direct contact through Medium and through Holly. Both Mitchell and Holly have been guests on this podcast. I think Mitchell was number 13 and Holly number 25, if mm -hmm. memory serves me correct. Uh, as you can see, I don't take notes. Um, <laughs> but uh, okay. so I have, yeah, I have known you for a long time, and um, I was always impressed with your thought out uh, comments rather than just reacting uh, like most people do when they when they write the comment. Uh, mm -hmm your comments showed that you actually read the article and you're responding to the intent of the writer <laughs> rather than the clickbait headlines or what, what might be. <laughs> um, yeah, I try to leave the kind of comments that I would like to get. <laughs> yes, and that's how it should be. Mm -hmm. Well, for the benefit of the audience who don't know you at all, Give us a two to three minute synopsis on who Sharon Hurley Hall is. Ooh, okay. So who Sharon Hurley Hall is, is ever evolving. So when you would first have come across me, Rashid, I was in what I like to think of as sort of phase two of my, of my evolution career-wise. So phase one was I... I worked as a journalist, uh, mostly trade journalism, uh, mostly in the UK. And then at the tail end of that, I, um, I taught journalism at Coventry University for five years. Then around uh, 2005, that would be, I went freelance and started blogging, which is where I met Mitch Allen and Mitch Mitchell and Holly, all in that, all in that period. And you know, isn't it just so wonderful to have people that you've known for so long in yes. your in your in your circle, right? Right. Um, and so, and so I, I freelanced, and 
over the years, it's one of these domino things. Like I started writing about what I knew, which was writing and journalism. Then as I learned things about blogging, I started writing about blogging. That actually led to me getting jobs as a professional blogger. And I said, hey, wait, you can get paid to do this? Okay, then I'm in. <laughs> I'm in, right? And so I started writing about that. And, you know, I did all kinds of things. Like I did reviews of new web tools when they were coming out. You know, I reviewed things like Dropbox and things like that when they launched, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, you know, I've been around a long time in internet years. And, um, and then that led to me over time starting to write about social media, And that led to me writing about digital marketing, which is probably what I was writing about when you and I first actually made contact, as opposed to when you've got to know to know me. Mm -hmm. And so I I spent a number of years writing about that. And now I'm in what is in phase three, which is I'm writing more about diversity, equity, inclusion, anti-racism and all that kind of thing. So that's a more recent pivot. Uh, I don't know what else there is to say about me. Oh, I run an anti-racism newsletter. That's the other thing that I do, but that's all part of this new iteration. Right. So I'm going to take you back in your evolution beyond uh, your career. Okay. Tell us about the life before you came into the the world, because that's where we form, you know, your formative years. Okay. So part of what, part of what makes me the person that I am is, that I'm a, I'm a perennial outsider, okay? So I was born in England. Uh, when I was very young, my parents who are, um, my mother's Trinidadian, my father's Barbadian, de- decided to return to the Caribbean. And so then we moved to Jamaica, which is where my sister was born. And then we moved to Trinidad where I did primary school. And then we came to Barbados, which is where I did secondary school. And I, I did my BA. And so, I am shaped by that multicultural approach. I'm shaped by growing up in a household where uh, being, you know, being smart was seen as a good thing. Reading was seen as a good thing. Learning was seen as a good thing and, and, and traveling and getting to know the world were seen as good things. And, you know, our house, even before I learned to speak other languages, you know, there'd be people coming through that my parents had picked up on their travels and you'd have come and visit. And so, you know, one day you'd be hearing people speak in Spanish in the house or you'd be hearing them speaking French in the house. And, you know, they'd be having discussions on all kinds of things. So there was all of that sort of going on that I was absorbing without knowing it, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So all of that kind of helps to make me the person that I am. Um, it's very interesting it can be, it's very interesting growing up in the Caribbean because you grow up in societies that are, uh, you know, black majority uh, societies, you know, global majority run societies, but yet you have that history of enslavement, which means that a lot of the financial and economic power remains in the hands of the descendants of white slave owners, right? And mm-hmm. so that sets up an interesting societal dynamic. Uh, and so you still have racism and colorism in those societies. And then, but the other thing that really shaped me was going to France for a year, living there for a year and really experiencing racism, right? <laughs> and at the end of that time, I kind of had to decide, okay, what kind of person do you want to be? You know, because I can see why people get annoyed 
and decide that they hate everybody. I can see why people would feel that way after those experiences, but that wasn't the way that I wanted to live. And so this is not to say I don't get annoyed and upset and angry. It's just that I don't want to discriminate against other people, having experienced it myself. Right. So why do okay. people do that? People, sometimes I think people react because they've been hurt in other situations and they, they're, it's kind of preemptive. So they decide they're not putting themselves in a position to be hurt again. And so they're not going to go into certain circles. They're not going to deal with certain people. They're not going to expect certain things of certain people. And so, yeah, I mean, and you know, honestly, it's hard for me to be, even though that's not the way my own approach, I, you know, I can understand, you know, even people don't necessarily sub subject, if you have been abused, because racism is kind of like a form of abuse, mm -hmm. you don't willingly subject yourself to more of that abuse. You don't willingly put yourself in, this, in a situation where you're going to get more of that abuse. And so I can understand why people who are annoyed and upset and hurt and angry would remove themselves from that situation wherever possible. Okay. Well, how did that impact your life growing up and into becoming the person that you are today? Well, you see, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, strange, it's a strange dichotomy because on the one hand, you have colorism and so on. But on the other hand, I also grew up in a society where you know, the politicians, the judges, the doctors and the lawyers look like me. So I never felt, even when, even though I had experiences of racism and colorism, I never felt there were things I couldn't achieve because of the color of my skin. And so that was the gift for me of growing up in the Caribbean, as opposed to in a white majority society. So, and, 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 and I say that to say that I think that when you have that sense of self-worth right mm -hmm. it's hard for people to it's hard for people to take it away from you so i can see people trying to make me less than i am but i don't believe what they're telling me <laughs> good for you so the name of my podcast as you know is embrace your inner weirdo and what i mean by that is in the language of what's prevalent it's authenticity but that's what I mean when I say embrace your inner weirdo, because each and every one of us are unique. And being, being unique makes us who we are, but it, it presents challenges as well. Do you feel that being different, being an introvert in an extroverted world has affected you or affected the world around you? <laughs> that's a really that's a really good question Rashid um, I'm going to go back a bit to say that you know the language of introversion is relatively recent it's like you know when I was a child it's like I was you know perceived as quiet and a little bit shy and as if there was something wrong with that mm -hmm. right uh, and and certainly in the in workplaces if you're the kind of person that spends more time listening than talking there can often be a perception that there's something wrong with that you know, you go into a situation where I, 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 I've told this story before in other places where I remember going to uh, a job career thing 
and we all had some tests to do. And, you know, the guy, the guy, the presenter was talking, 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 and people were asking questions. Now, I wasn't asking any questions. I was just listening. And so I went and then, you know, then I did the tests you had to do at the end and I aced them. And then he called me in and he was surprised because he thought, because I didn't say anything, I wasn't getting it, that I was actually, you know, he thought I was stupid, basically. <laughs> you know, he thought there was nothing going on in the old brain there. And, and, and that was a surprise. So, you know, sometimes part of it is, is dealing with people's misconceptions about what introversion is. Once I had the language of introversion, I actually understood myself a lot better. And therefore, I am now able to say, yes, I'm an introvert. So, you know, no, don't expect me to socialize with you six nights in a row. You know, don't, you know, give me some time to, to, to recover from, from, and recharge. Exactly. Um, but yeah, again, it's, it's one of those things where you can, you know, you can, especially if you don't know it yourself, you can find yourself feeling like there's something wrong because you're not out there and you don't feel like being out there. Mm-hmm. But I no longer feel like that. You know, one of the benefits of getting older <laughs> it's that you get to be fully yourself and yes. not give a damn what anybody else thinks about it. And I'm definitely in that phase of my life. <laughs> yes. And that reminds me of a meme I saw a while back uh, of an um, older lady um, who essentially said the same thing mm-hmm. that um, I'm at a, at a stage in my life where I don't give a beep about what yeah. others think. So, yeah, and I I understand that. And it took me quite a while to get to that point. And you're correct. It it comes with uh, age and maturity. And for sure. Unfortunately, those two things are not always mutually. uh, No, they are not. They are not. So, you know, um, just because you've got years on the clock doesn't mean that you doesn't mean that you're you you you've aged like you know you've aged like fine wine (laughs) (laughs) good example yes good some people some some people age like vinegar i'm sorry they do (laughs) because some people don't want to grow they don't want to expand yeah exactly exactly you have to be willing to learn and grow i think you know i think i think being open to learning is so important you know, I, you, you know, there's, there's, there's new stuff out there all the time. There's stuff going on. You know, you have to, you have to be open to learning more about it. And that is how you grow as a person yourself. Yes. And speaking of new stuff, tell us about your latest iteration of your evolution. Okay. So what happened is, as everybody in the world knows, is that, is that George Floyd got murdered in May 2020. Mm-hmm. And what had, you know, I'd been on Medium doing things, bits and pieces and so on. But I wrote a piece called I'm Tired of Racism because I realized that, you know, when you exist as a black or brown person in a white majority society, you spend a lot of time holding stuff in because you don't want to be perceived in a certain way. And you don't or you don't want to deal with the negatives that come with that perception. Mm-hmm. And so I, it was a really... It was a really heartfelt thing and and people responded to it. And once I started writing, I realized that I had more to say. Uh, And so that led to me eventually setting up my own newsletter, which I did because, you know, wearing my marketing hat, I know that, you know, you have to own your own platform. 
you have to put yourself in the best position so that other people can't censor you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're only doing your stuff on somebody else's platform, the day they decide they don't want you anymore, they can just kill your whole thing. Right. And so that, you know, I was never going to do that long-term. So that's how I came to set up the newsletter. Um, and, and so there are two things with that. You know, the newsletter is both a place for me to share the things that I think about racism and anti-racism and diversity, equity, inclusion work, but it's also a way for me to give a platform for other to other people in that space, especially Black women who are the ones who find it hardest to get seen and heard, right? Mm -hmm. And so I have, I've included a series where I profile other activists. I started a new series this year where I profile Black people who have founded stuff. And I also, because further to our point about reading and learning, I also share some of the articles that have resonated with me in the past month. So I've, you know, I do that once a month. Um, and yeah, it is, you know, sometimes you come across something and you realize this is what you're meant to do. And that's how setting up the newsletter was for me. That's how working in this space was for me. I suddenly thought, okay, this is what this writing gift is for. <laughs> right. This right. is what this is for. Uh -huh. Right. Right. This is no, my writing gift is not for writing so much about, you know, how can you get more people to your email newsletter? It is for educating people and informing people about experiences of racism so that together we can make change. Yes. And writing and, is a tool of communication. Writing is a tool of communication, you know. And, and reading and is an ex, ex, excellent way to learn and grow, you know? And, and I figure, you know, if I change one mind, that's already an improvement, right? I'm Absolutely. Not, I, I, I am not expecting that my newsletter is going to dismantle four centuries of racism all by itself. But I am expecting that the people who read and subscribe and support the work are going to be using it as a tool to make change in their circles so that, you know, there's a ripple effect. And, you know, I can see you coming back 100 years henceforth into this world in a different life and read stuff and just say, I remember when I wrote that. Exactly. <laughs> and the oh, world is fabulous. different to me because it made a difference in the world and you know exactly we i think you know we all have personal responsibility to do what we can to make the world better and to use the gifts that we have to do that absolutely and speaking of gifts other than writing what other gifts do you have ooh well that is a good question ah <sighs> Because yeah, I, you know, I think of writing as the main one, but, you know, but the other gifts that I have are related to it, you know, just a general facility with words and language is something that I love. Uh, I, you know, how I'm many languages do you speak? Well, I used to speak <laughs> sort of three and a half languages, three and a half, depending okay. on how you, yeah. So I, I, um, I studied French and Spanish at university and I was at one time fluent in both. I'm now rusty in both, but, you know, a couple of weeks in the country and I'd be fine, right? I, mm -hmm. I speak some basic German. Um, I can understand, though I don't speak it, some Italian if it's spoken slowly because it's so similar to the others. 
Mm-hmm. I know some swear words in Portuguese. <laughs> Those are the first things you learn, right? <laughs> yeah, and um, and then you know, obviously, I speak um, the 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 Creole languages, the dialects of the of, of the Caribbean, to some extent. Um, I don't speak them daily, but you know, you know, there's Bajan and Trini dialect because of, because of my parents, so okay. I understand them, and some Jamaican as well. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> and I thought I was doing good with basic understanding of uh, about five languages. But you are, you yeah. are. I so I, I really say three and a half. I say three and a half. German is the half. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I I am two and several halves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's good. It's good to speak different languages. You know. When was the first time you realized that you were different? Hmm. Well, that also is a very good question. I would have to say that the very first time was when I, somebody called me the N-word in Trinidad. Um, And I was about seven. And until then, I had never thought about the fact that I was different. Um, And, you know, it was hurtful at the time, but then I have to, you know, I was seven. So, you know, after the situation had been dealt with, I didn't think about it again very much. Uh, And then when I was 12 and I moved to Barbados, you know, that's a, that's a, you know, then you're very aware because you know I had a, I had a different accent I had lived in a different place I, you know I didn't know necessarily what was going on in society so you know I was definitely a bit of an outsider then as well so yeah that's pretty much how my whole life has gone really so when did you finally come to embrace your inner weirdo oh that is an ongoing journey I would say you know, sometimes, you know, I will say, oh, yes, I'm an introvert, I'm a perennial outsider, I'm this, I'm that, you know, and, and, and 90, 95% of the time, I'm totally okay with that. And, you know, 5% of the time, I think, well, I wonder what it would have been like if it had been different, <laughs> you know, um, but, but honestly, I'm pretty happy with the person I am now and what I'm doing and where I am in my life. So. Yeah, I, I think also that there are layers of embracing yourself. You know, mm-hmm. we were talking about getting to the point when uh, you're not worried about what other people think and you start just doing what makes most sense to you. And I mean, that process started for me 20 something years ago, but I don't think it was completed when I started. You know, I started, you know, I started with one thing. I started with putting myself first in one area. I started with saying no to a few things that didn't suit me. And over the years, I've got more and more, I've gone more and more down that path of, you know, how do I shape my life and my circumstances so that they suit me? How do I shape them so that I am happy and contented? How do I shape them so that I am making use of the gifts that I have and making change in the world, positive change in the world. So there there, there are levels, I think, and layers to that. 
And that's something I call freedom lifestyle, uh, where you decide what's important to you and you build and you create and design your life uh, to suit what works for you and what your needs and desires are. Exactly. Uh, what would you, well, let me get, uh, stop for a second. You said 20 years ago, uh, you started making this shift. Yeah. Was, was there a particular instant that was instrumental? I'm not quite sure what it was, but there was a point at some point in my 30s where I suddenly came to the realization that I was being very accommodating of other people's needs, but they were not being similarly accommodating of mine. And mm -hmm. I don't remember at that stage what the incident was that, that precipitated that realization. But I realized and I said, well, hey, this, this isn't right. This has to stop. <laughs> right. You know, and, and, and I started with the word no. No, that doesn't work for me, which many people in my circle at the time, nobody in my, in my circle at the time had ever heard me say. So this is a, this was a growth point for me. It was a growth point for me, right? You know, mm -hmm. I, can't, I can't blame people for taking advantage of situations if I don't give them an alternative. <laughs> sure. Right? Yes. So the growth point for me was, you know, if something isn't working for you, it is okay to say it doesn't work for you. Mm -hmm. It is okay to say this is what I would prefer. Mm -hmm. It was okay, you know, as women, as women, as black women, as people of color in global majority societies, you know, there's so many levels on which we're taught to be accommodating, mm -hmm. right? We're taught to be accommodating. And if you also are, you know, naturally someone who tends to adapt and accommodate, which, you know, you know you, it, you're fighting a lot of conditioning, <laughs> right? True, yeah. Um, I think yeah. it was, I don't remember if it was Dr. Wayne Dyer or Dr. Phil, who said that we train people on how to treat us. Exactly, exactly. And so when you realize that you have trained them wrong, you decided it was time to retrain them. Absolutely, absolutely. What would you I, say? To, go ahead. No, 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 I was, I was just going to say, it's really, it's really interesting, actually. You, you referred to our podcast just now. And it's funny that some, some long-standing friends have listened to the podcast and they said, well, I never realized that you felt like this. I never realized that this was, you know, and so now they're much more respectful of the fact when I say to them, I need some time to recharge. I've just been out for two days or I've just had X number of things. They're much more respectful of that than they were before, which is interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because they had an opportunity. See, that's what I love, love about podcasting. When I first started it, it was just uh, uh, one of those weird things that I do. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, would, I would get to a phase and uh, I would say, I want to do something different, like walking from Chicago to L.A. And, uh, yeah. I've done things like that all my life. And that's how this uh, podcast started out as uh, doing something. Yeah. And it was more of a rebel in me who, who wanted to draw attention to other rebels, so to speak. 
And uh, as I started doing this and I've uh, done this for a little over six months, uh, I have tomorrow is episode 28 going out. So it's a little yeah. over six months. And uh, I, I've learned that this has taken a different different turn than what I had originally thought and much better, uh, much better. That happened. Uh, that happened to us too. Yes. With our podcast, we, we had no idea when we started of all the things, the routes we were going to go down. We thought we were only going to talk about introversion as a thing, uh-huh. but we actually talk about the experience of being black, people, black women, black women, introverts, and the fact that as introverts, we are people that think deeply about everything that goes on in the world. And so anything is fair game. (laughs) Okay. And I honestly have not listened to your podcast. So tell us, educate me. What um, do you, is just two of you talking with each other? Is it just a dialogue or is it do you invite people? Well, that's how it started. It started with just the two of us talking. My sisters, uh, my sisters uh, in New Jersey and, and in Barbados. And, you know, we'd hop on a Zoom call and we would chat about this, that and the other. And we started it in, in the, in the, at the height of the pandemic. So the first few episodes were all about how are you coping with the pandemic as an introvert? Right. And, uh-huh. and, 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 and unpacking some of the things that that had the, the issues around that but but you know but then it evolved because we had we had george floyd we had we had you know we had um brianna taylor we had all these things that were happening and we had a view and we started talking about that and so while the majority of it is still us talking to each other we we had our first guest last season we're going to have more guests this season we're now in season four we had two seasons the first year, and then we had a season last year and a season this year. Okay. Um, and, and uh, you know, as you probably know yourself, producing a, a podcast uh, requires quite a commitment. And so, and so we started when, in, you know, when we were both working less, it was great to do weekly episodes, but we soon realized that we couldn't keep that up. So we do two, we do two episodes a month. Uh, some episodes are about introversion, some are about activism, and sometimes we have guests just talking about different things. So we've had, we had one guest last year, we talked for so long that it actually made two episodes. And then we had, we had two guests, we've just, I think, released what we call uh, Black Caribbean and Introverted with uh, two of our contacts from LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've got another guest coming up. And so we're hoping to have more guests, This, you know, so it's not just us talking. Because as you said yourself, Rashid, there are a lot of people out there who are introverted, right? Yes. A lot more than you would think, mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah, we, you know, we just cover, we just cover the rate. We, we, our tagline is two INFJs with a lot to say, right? <laughs> okay. Now, because, see, that's another, because, that's another foreign language to me because I, I have not, studied uh, either that comes from Meyer, Meyer Briggs or yes that's yeah. right that's I've heard right. The, I've heard of the name I've never taken the test and I don't know what those initials mean but um. yeah that's um introverted introverted sensing feeling and judging so basically it's another confirmation that we're introverted really All right okay. and um you know 
I have to say that whatever personality test I take, I come out introverted. You know, the only question is, am I coming out, you know, 60% introverted, 75% introverted, or 95% introverted as I did on one, on one test? <laughs> it's only a question of degree. Degrees, okay. It's only a question of degree. It's like, you know, I'm definitely, you know, I, I, I think, I feel, I think, I plan, I, you know, I have all those all those things that, you know, all those things that introverts are well known for, that's part of my makeup, for sure. Okay, that sounds, okay, I can relate to that. Mm -hmm. I can relate to that. Um, before I interrupted you with that uh, thing about the initials from the Meyer Briggs, what were you saying? That's a very good question. What was uh, I saying? You, you, you said... <laughs> You, your, your tagline, that's what you were talking about. Oh, yes. Two INFJs with a lot to say. You know, that, that, um, that just recognizes that, you know, as introverts, we think about things, we have opinions about things. And even though we may not always be way out there with them, it doesn't mean, you know, there's stuff going on in here. There's stuff going on between the ears, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so, yeah, we, we gave ourselves the freedom to just talk about anything that made sense to us. So, you know, we had one episode where we talked about um, Downton Abbey and Bridgerton, <laughs> and, you know, and then we had, we had another episode where we talked about how difficult it is to be an activist. Mm -hmm. And then we have, we have an episode where we talk about the difference between introversion and shyness. So, you know, we've covered the range. We're at... Uh, I think we've done 60-something episodes now. Good. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, if somebody wanted to embrace their inner weirdo and are feeling challenged, what's your advice for them? I think that... Self-love has to start at home. <laughs> you know, you need, in a sense, embracing your inner weirdo is about accepting and cherishing the things that make you, you. And sometimes it's hard to fight that conditioning because the world out there may not appreciate them, may not appear to appreciate them as much. But, you know, I've learned that there are always people out there that appreciate them. So sometimes it's about finding where those people hang out. Right, where are the people that appreciate the you that you really are, that where you can be yourself. So that's one thing that you can do. And you know, start with something that you like about yourself and then build on that, right? Until you love everything. Mm -hmm. Right? And loving everything, loving everything does not mean that there's not stuff you want to work on to develop yourself. It just it means treating yourself with the same love and acceptance that you would treat other people with. True. Very, very good. Uh, very sage advice. Thank you. You're welcome. For people who want to know and learn more about you, uh, learn from your wisdom, send you some money. Where would they uh, find? <laughs> where would they find you? <laughs> okay, so. You can connect with me on my website, SharonHH.com, 
on my newsletter website, antiracismnewsletter.com. If you want to send me money, I have a Ko-fi account. I have a PayPal account, or you could just take a subscription to my newsletter, paid subscription, because people do pay to support the work, which is wonderful. Yes, I'm one of your subscribers, probably the most yeah. basic one, probably the <laughs> most basic one, but I subscribed to you when I first started because I wanted Thank to you. I wanted to support what you were doing. And uh, you're doing an awesome job. Um, Thank you, Rashid. I don't read as much as I would like because there is so much to do in life that you can't do everything that you want. Uh, and then we all have different we all have different lanes in which we travel and sometimes uh, uh, they don't always cross each other. Um, mm -hmm. They run parallel so we don't really meet, but we're going in the same direction right next to each other. Absolutely. Um, People have to, you know, use the tools that they can use to, to achieve the change they need to achieve, achieve right? Yes. And that's, that's what life is all about, accepting who you are and uh, making the adjustments that you need. Um, you know, if, if, there's some, if you're not getting the results that you want, then uh, do something different. Absolutely. You can't do the same thing all the time and expect different results. That's right. That's insanity. I think according, <laughs> according to Einstein, according to the myth. Yes. I don't know if Einstein actually <laughs> said that or not. He but, said to have said it, but who knows? Who knows? But either but, way, it's it's a quite sensible advice. Yes. Einstein and Abraham Lincoln are probably the two most misquoted people in the world. <laughs> or overquoted people in the world. Whether they said it or not, they said mm. it. <laughs> and uh, I saw I saw a meme that had a picture of uh, Lincoln... And it said something like, uh, trust me, I read it on the internet. Oh, yes, I've seen that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Hey, Sharon, thank you so much for taking out your time and meeting with us and helping us see world from your point of view. And um, I, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. And thank you for embracing your inner weirdo. Thank you, Rashid. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I love the title of your podcast, I have to say. And I love that it's all about that authenticity. Thank you for listening to the Embrace Your Inner Weirdo podcast, where we debunk the myth that weirdo is a four-letter word. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Share it with a friend and leave a tip if you like the show.